are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network. At Gaslight Lounge, right here, St. Louis, Missouri. Big thanks to everyone. We have an actual crowd today, so I, they can't hear us. We can, they can hear us. We can't hear them. Thank you to everybody for coming out for a quick pop-up podcast. Travis Terrell's here. We do this show a couple times a week, and uh, you can check out our morning radio show on 9:20 a.m., 7 to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. Today, very special guest. He's at Helium Comedy Club. All weekend long, Mr. John Lovitz. John, thank you so much for joining thank us. We bust you. out the gold Every, microphone clap for you today. that we can't hear. There yeah. you go. Give we it can't up for even John. Hear it, but you should clap anyway. Thank Does it feel you. good? We can't hear it's the like clap. a silent movie. <laughs> John Lovitz so joining weird. again. We've got early show tomorrow night. <laughs> yep. Uh, Rafe Williams, friend of the show, uh, will do the late show and then two shows Saturday, I believe. John, is that correct? Correct. That's right. What's uh, it's got to be a good point in your career to come in, do a little press. Do the early show, work it out. I like that schedule for you. I don't know. I heard that that you didn't have to do the you late like show Friday. You like it for me? I do. You don't have to do the late show Friday. I was like, yeah, the guy deserves a little break after he flies in. Well, because I stopped doing it because one is everybody was drunk, uh -huh. and then the second thing is uh, it would be a lot less people. So I said, you know, it's better if I do fewer shows and I'll sell just as many tickets. Yeah, you knock and it condense out, it so it, it works out. Certainly is. Travis, you are a huge fan of The Critic, as am I. John, I'm sure you get this quite a bit as we see Family Guy on its whatever seasons. You have Simpsons for so long. I feel like maybe it got a little bit of, uh, of a short end of the stick on that. Have you, have you explored, I guess is a question, bringing back The Critic in any way or uh, just your time spent? No, on I would it do it again. I, tr I tried to get it going again, but Jim Brooks... His executive producer, he just said yeah. he does. He doesn't think he has enough people to staff it because they're on The Simpsons. Because so. they're on the. It's, it was I tried, yeah, and yeah. and and um, and they were in the production companies were interested in doing it again, but it would make it would make a ton of sense. I feel like it, I know, but I I I Al Jean and Mike Reese. Uh, I said, why don't you do it? And everyone wants to do it. And Al goes, well, I, I don't have time. I'm on The Simpsons, and, and I'm exclusive to Fox. And then Mike's like, go ahead, do it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? So they created yeah. the show. So well, it, it's if weird they don't want to do it, I, you know, I, I'm just the, the voice on it. It's true, but at the same time, like if you're such a driver, you're kind of synonymous with that. And we're in our 30s. Like we kind of we remember we were super big fans of that show. Uh, is it weird to bring up stuff? It was a three-season run, right? Like, to you, that's well, a blip too, on Well, it was a on ABC for seven shows, and then we went to Fox, and did, they aired, like, I think, 10 shows. Do you feel we like... We did a total of 23. That's, and that's, that's nothing in your long career that you've had so many credits on, but do you feel like maybe it was, uh, I don't know, before, ahead of its time? Is it just... It was no, it a financial I mean, thing? It was, they never could figure out why it was canceled, and... Um, it, it was actually it held ninety percent of the the second year it, it aired after the Simpsons and it held ninety percent of the audience and the Simpsons wow. was like at its peak so it was a hit. Jim Brooks said to the head of the network, he said, "What are you doing? You're canceling a hit." 
that doesn't Jim make goes, I've never seen anything like it. And they, <laughs> right. The guy just wanted to cancel it. And, and 90% was, in the 90s would be like, the it would be record setting now, Well, right? today, yeah, it had yeah. like an 11-1 rating. Nothing wow. has that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it, the guy just can't, didn't like it. I don't know. He just canceled it. And they never could figure out why and never got a reason why. It's interesting. And it wasn't the ratings. It was, you know. You, I've heard Seth MacFarlane talk about it. It was influencing to him. And again, too, if you're just a voice, but creatively, do you feel like you all kind of put a few things on the map as far as animation goes or styles of uh, entertainment? Well, I mean, I don't know. I think Family Guy is terrific. I don't see the influence. But if he says it, it's there, it's there. And then, but I spoke to Al Jean and he goes, no, no, he took like whole scenes from the critic. <laughs> and I go, oh, he did. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, did. I don't see it. I mean, I, I mean, every show is like you know, it's there's a family based sitcom. So I mean, you know, they all certainly have a mother and a father and the kids and so you have the foil and all that good um, stuff. But I mean, if Seth MacFarlane says he was influenced by it, then he, you know, let's run with he that. Was. Write yeah. the check, Seth. <laughs> yeah, you know. make it happen. But no. it's flattering. I think his show is hilarious. He, he certainly is a, he's a very talented person, but so are you. And we got you here. And again, Helium Comedy Club all weekend long. What influenced you, I guess, sitcom-wise? Obviously, you're a part of Saturday Night Live, and, and you have a, a multitude of talents as far as acting, sketch, improv, stand-up. You still What's do a ton a, of voiceover work. Yeah, I did two of The Simpsons this year so far. Mm -hmm. Is it surprising that they're still as strong as they are this far into their... Oh, sure. They can't believe it. I mean, <laughs> well, no, no, no show's gone. They're the yeah. longest running oh, show in the history of television. Yeah. Right. It's but literally it's unprecedented. They, just, yeah. they're, it's, they go, yeah, they can't believe it. It's just like them and PBS at this it point. It just doesn't right? happen, you know. It certainly doesn't. Do you have, uh, as far as your talents go and how you spend your time and yes. make your money, I mean, is that is that easily the best way to earn a living? The Voiceovers? Oh, yeah has to be right well it's i mean it's the it's very easy you still have to act it out but right no but it's easy in terms of acting because you just you know you go in and there's a script on a music stand so you don't have to learn your lines at all and you can wear whatever you want and you, know, you can wear a bathing suit and it doesn't matter and then and then um how many times did you pull that well i go in you know from playing tennis and wear my tennis clothes it doesn't matter you still have to act it out though but it is very easy. It's it's. I like that part. <laughs> it's very good part. It's very enjoyable. It's fun. You know, you just have to be funny. And but you. But I noticed the the only way to do it. It you can't you can't just like read the line. You have to really act it out. You physically move. Yeah, you're not just gonna read it right off. Yeah, the it helps paper, to like yeah. move, like if I just go well. What's new, you know, or you're just standing like this. It doesn't work. You have to like you know, you're yelling at someone. You have to like really if you physically get into it. It it helps. Uh, your voice right. it comes through in your voice you know yeah i was i was trying but it's to more fun to do it like that it is, i was gonna say i'm not gonna ask you to do it but if you just yell at travis no don't for being me, late because, maybe no because no? no? i don't know you don't I, like that clip i was gonna no. say like what if it was like travis was late no, to something don't. and I don't john lovitz as you're late <laughs> no relax see he got that his, yeah, his eyebrow <laughs> what the hell buy a watch he couldn't have worn a button-down shirt for John Lovitz. Just be early and you won't be late. <laughs> so now I have John with a spoon and John Lovitz yelling at me for being late. I appreciate it. We that. only do that with comedians oh, named John. Thank you so much. I didn't know you were late. You uh, were here I when I got here. <laughs> you've, uh, mm. you've been on a row for a while now. Are they laughing? You can't hear anything. Uh, we don't know. 
We so need to pump it in where you have movie. a, we, it should be like a silent comedy show. Well, that's what we'll it get, seems. It's like the, like the school of the deaf. You just can't hear anything. <laughs> Sign or if you're I'm enjoying deaf. John Lovett, everybody. Like I've gone deaf. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's more like a dream. Like I'm imagining Travis, people there Travis, laughing. let's mess with him. I hear them fine, John. I don't <laughs> know what your issue is. <laughs> He's losing it. You guys want, you could say anything. I wouldn't know. <laughs> they can boo and we wouldn't have any idea. Favorite John Lovett's vehicle. Same, a piece of crap. I would have no idea. So, High School High. That was, <laughs> you get that movie. You're late. <laughs> Raise your hand if you enjoyed High School High in the 90s. Look at this. We've got a participating yeah, audience. Three out of 50. That's, <laughs> why, that's why I'm doing stand up. <laughs> I was going to ask that. What, how that you've been doing it for quite some time? How has it changed, like now, as to when you were coming up in the game, as how, far as how just touring, being on the road, being on the road? Is well, good. I started doing it about fifteen years ago. So yeah, I think I, think I don't think it's any different. Yeah, though, I I I got on Saturday Night Live and I tried to do stand up, um, like in my college dorm, I would do Lenny Bruce and Woody Allen's routines and. And then I'd memorize them and learn them and right. perform. They'd have a talent night in my dorm. You could do anything. So I'd, oh, I'll try that. And then I was, right after college, I went, I went to UC Irvine, University of California, Irvine. I wanted to be a, a stand-up. I go, that's a good way to break into show business. But this guy teaching this workshop said they weren't hiring stand-ups for sitcoms. And I believed him. He I was ahead of the game. Them. He knew what he was yeah, talking yeah. about. Well, they yeah. weren't hiring him. That's all they were hiring. <laughs> but I believed him and... But anyway, I started doing it about 15 years ago because right. the jobs were drying up. And I said to my agent and manager, can you get me work? I said, I'm not broke, but I'm going to run out of money in five years because I was living really nice. And they said, why don't you sell your house? <laughs> so I thought, yeah. oh, I have a better idea. I'll learn how to be a stand-up and then fire both of them. And that's what I did. I mean, they just gave up on me. It, I was so mad that they said that because one was building a mansion and one oh had bought one uh, uh, on the street above me. And I go, oh, so you're moving up and I'm moving down. Why don't I sell my house? Okay, thanks. All right. Now they all I never said that. I go, the hell you didn't. <laughs> Liars. They bring out the devil costume. Like, hey, it's your friend, John. That's no, my manager goes, you had a good run. I go, seven years ago. You're, you're, I go, you're done? So you're done, right? Okay, good. Good to know. Good. I'm Bye. glad you fired them. That's good. You still, you, I mean, again, you'll have sold out well, shows. Well, six months me. later, they, they came on the set of um, bench, bench Warmers. Mm -hmm. oh, wait, was it? Yeah, I think it was Bench Warmers mm -hmm. to visit David Spade. And, <laughs> to visit the well, we had the same. Well, you they go got, in for the handshake well, they and they walk right David by David Spade and Adam Sandler and Chris Farley, my agent, because of me. They used my name to get them. So they come on the set, and uh, my manager goes, hey, John, notice anything different? So I'd left like six months before. He goes, notice anything different? I went, yeah, I'm working. <laughs> and then my agent goes, oh, you mean the job you would have gotten anyway because of Adam Sandler? I go, yeah, well, then what would I have needed you for? Mm. <laughs> and saved the other, you 10%. Anything else? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? So coming up around Sandler, I mean, obviously Sandler had his run with, uh, I guess MTV was a big launching pad for him. Another, we talked about The Simpsons being unprecedented. Well, Adam, I saw Adam before he was famous at the uh, Improv in Hollywood. And all these stand-ups, I was just there watching the stand-ups, and they're all like, like beginning stand-ups, they tend to, um, well, they don't, you know, they're starting, so they don't know what they're doing, so they try to act like a stand-up, so they'll talk really, really loud and yell in the mic and really <laughs> fast. and right. They're not really saying anything, but it's just, it just kind of gives you a headache. And then... And then Adam got up, and he it was almost like he was making fun of them. He was speaking so quiet. 
and not trying and just saying the most ridiculous stuff. So I went up to him and said, you're hilarious. So I met him. And then when I, when I left SNL, they hired him to replace me. So I went by the club and I said, hey, you, I'm gonna, I heard you at the show. I'm going to tell you how it works. He said, all right. So he sat down for about an hour. And I explained to him the whole show and how it works. And then uh, ever since then, he's just been great to me and put me in all his, a lot of his movies. And he, he's been great to me. You it, know. it feels like he's got a, a, a really tight-knit group of people. Well, he's the kind of guy, like, if you're nice to him once, he'll be nice to you the rest of your life. That's awesome. So but if, like you, if you rip him once, you're like, you're dead. No, and I'm also like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you go against me, like, for no reason. You're like, oh, okay, well, now I'll... Dead to be. Crush. I'd just like to remind you how much Times we 10. love the critic. We, we love, love all your work. We love SNL. Huge You're huge. such a great interview. You're, You're such a good stand-up. You're coming back to life. <laughs> You're such a good stand-up. <laughs> what, what, what do you say to someone, though, like an Adam Sandler coming up, like as you were leaving SNL? What type of advice could you give that would prepare somebody for entering Lauren's world? world yeah, man. Lauren's yeah. world, man. That's, a, that's from what we hear from Well, you learn a lot. I mean... <clears throat> The main thing, I told one guy to do, who got the show, and I, he didn't take my advice, and he lasted a year. Who was that? I don't want to say, but he didn't. <laughs> he, he asked for my advice, and I told him what to do, and he didn't do it. So. Coming in here talking bad about David Koechner. What do you think, in terms? No, not David. <laughs> but, but, but I said, um, what I learned was, see, they, they, uh, they have a read-through on Wednesday from like 3 to 5, and they pick 30 to 40 the 30 to 40 sketches are submitted. They'll produce 14 of them, and then they cut six after dress rehearsal. So only eight sketches make it on air. So I said, I said, you're better off, instead of writing, like, I used to write, my first year, write three sketches a night. I was getting everything on. But after a while, Did you have a writer that you teamed up? Like, did, was there a writer that would champion you, or was it just you were bringing in great material? I'd have an idea, and then I'd write it. Well, the liar character, I did it myself the first time, and then Lauren said, why don't you write it with A. Whitney Brown? which was great because I didn't know what to do after that. So Whitney really helped me expand it. I, after the first time, I gave him credit, like 50-50 was the two of us. Right. And then um, or Al Frank would have an idea and he'd write like Hanukkah Harry or uh, one time uh, I, I did match the thespian, but I'd write it with somebody. Or Robert Smigel had an idea for one where I was like the Santa Claus and uh, Macy's. It was really funny. So we wrote that together, but that was his idea for that sure. sketch. But the character was my idea. You know, see, it was, it's a combination. So I said, you're better off, though, just writing one sketch a week, just one sketch on Tuesday night, and make that one sketch great. And then you have the chance of getting it on. Because you're not going to get three sketches on. Right. Not, no. not now, anyway. I mean, for us, there was only eight people. But now there's like 16 in the cast. Yeah. So you're better off just getting one great sketch one sketch and just focus on that and make that one so pop so it gets on the air. That's did, the way to do it. Did anybody do that for you? What? Shepherd you into Saturday Night Live. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so you, you sat Sandler down and said, listen, here's the playbook. This is what you have to do. This will make things Oh, happen. did anyone tell me how the show worked? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that? No, I learned. It seemed to work there. out okay for you. Yeah. Well, I just worked my butt off. I mean, yeah. normally I was in the Groundlings Theater, which is an improv group. You know, it's great. And so we, we would take two weeks to write a sketch. Right. I was writing three a night. I was just working my butt off. I, I mean, I, it was exhausting. Certainly was. In that room, are you trying to win over the other comedians, or you're specifically trying to win over Lauren? Or it's a combination of both? Well, 
I ain't trying to win over Lauren. It's mm-hmm. just that you, 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 you just be funny the way you're funny. And then when you, they have a meeting on a, on a Monday and everyone's in Lauren's office and the host is there. He goes, what are your ideas? And then you quickly learn that, that that meeting is more, uh, it's just a, really for show for the host. And you don't want to give away the joke of your sketch right. in that meeting because everybody has a great short-term memory. So when we read the sketches on Wednesday, everybody, as soon as the joke comes up, they remember it from Monday and, and they already heard it, so they don't laugh. So you learn to just go, oh, I'm writing a sketch about a, a man and a fish and uh, it'll be funny Wednesday. You know, you just, you, you make them laugh like that. And you don't, you don't want to give it away. Okay. And then you don't even have to write that. You just, Think you just that's what I would do. I wouldn't say what I'm writing. Or right, I'm working on a master thespian <laughs> sketch, and and then you, and you oh, bring it's the gonna, good stuff it, uh, And I think it'll really, uh, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be good enough, hopefully, to be. You know, you make some joke, but you got to watch it, and you got to play the game right. Whenever you, but uh, then, but then at read through, yeah, you got to sell it. That's uh, because you you sit around. It's like two, um, you know, talented two people. like or four tables. They're really big, you know, tables, sure. and they push them together. So, like, Lauren's at the head of the table, and the host is next to him, and then I'd always be sitting next to the host. I don't know why. That's where they put me. And, <laughs> but that, and then, like, were Dan- there seating assignments? Danny was next to me. Yeah, we had the same seats. You go, you sit here, you sit here, and we and uh, and the whole cast would be around the tables, and then the writers are in the room on chairs, and, and every department. Uh, this is uh, in the room. The music, the set department is a. Uh, so it's about a hundred people in this one room and stuff. And so you're trying to make that room laugh. So you you have to really. Well, you don't have to talk loud, but I I would act it all full out like a doing you know like it was a finished thing. You have to, to sell, sell it. it. Yeah, you got to sell it because you want to make them laugh. And then if you read a piece and it got a huge laughs, and the room would burst into applause, which doesn't happen a lot. You, they go yeah. You go okay. That's on. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they don't want to give you too much credit because they, they have one ske- coming well, down the pipe. Well, there's 30 to 40 sketches, and a lot of them are just bad. <laughs> With that much material, I would assume so. Well, well bad. I, a lot of them suck. I mean, they're just not good. <laughs> they're just not. And, and good, the whole room's quiet. It's, but sometimes I would re- I'd write a sketch, and Lauren would just read through this. He was mad at me. He'd read through the stage directions really fast. He saw that I read it, and then just throw it down. And I'd look and I go, "It's funny." <laughs> <laughs> that didn't help. So he allowed for a little bit of sparring among uh, um, among creative uh, ideas. No, I don't think he liked when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> what was your What was your audition like? Whenever you did, when you met up with it, does he do a one on one with you? Do you go in front of the cold, awkward room? Well, it's and- different now. I had a lot of meetings, but first I met. It's crazy how I got it because I was in the Groundlings. I'd gotten it in September of 84. And then January of 85, we did a new show and I was doing my liar character in it. And then I get a call in March and they say, I'm going on the Tonight Show doing the liar. And, and I go, what are you talking about? And they said, the guy from the Tonight Show, Jim McCauley was there. Oh, wow. And he picked three sketches to go on the Tonight Show and I was in two of them. And I just got in the company. I couldn't believe it. Right. Three months later... Well, after the new show opened. So, so um, anyway, I did that, and I got an agent. And then Mage said, uh, uh, oh, what about Saturday Night Live? I said, oh, yeah, right. He goes, no, I'm serious. I said, oh, I have a better idea. Why, why don't I land on Pluto? <laughs> he goes, no, I'm serious. I go, and I, was, I started yelling at him. I go, will you just shut up? You're ridiculous. <laughs> right. I'm not going to be on Saturday Night Live. I go, right. what are you talking about? Because I had one job. 
three years before for two weeks. That was it. What was that job? It was a show, The Paper Chase, based on the movie. It was a cable show. But it was sure. a good show, but I'd, I'd done two of them and then nothing after that. So, but anyway, I started getting auditions and I got a movie with Charles Grodin and he really liked me. And, and in the meantime, they submitted me to Saturday Night Live. And Lorraine Newman, who was in the original cast, saw me do this play the summer before at the Groundlings. And she had befriended me, so she recommended me to Lorne. And then Charles Grodin recommended me to Lorne. Because we were on Catalina Island doing this movie, and I had to go meet Lorne. And Charles Grodin liked me. And I only had one scene in the movie, but he goes, no, let's put John in more and more. He really oh, Nice. So he, I hardly knew, I didn't really know him at all. And he called Lauren and said, hey, can you meet with this kid Friday? He's, take a good hard look at him. He's like, great. And I, the director told me he said all that. And I go, he did? And so then I went and met, oh, wait a minute. I missed a step. So, so I got this tonight show. So then the agent submits me. This is how crazy it is. So now the, the big story was, it was in all the newspapers. Lauren Michaels coming back to SNL. Right. Yeah. And, um. They're looking for people all over. It's like the Miss America contest in <laughs> Canada and America. So this guy comes. I meet with this guy, Fred, and, and he's in charge of comedy casting at NBC. And he's Fred Weissman. And he goes, well, you know, John, I don't know anything about comedy. I'm, I'm a dentist. <laughs> but I got the job. <laughs> Good for Fred. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. Good I'm for Dr. Dentist. Fred. Yeah. So I asked Jim McCauley, who books... I said, how did you hear of me? He goes, well, I asked Jim McCauley, who... Books the Tonight Show. Who's who? Who's funny? And he said that he goes. John Lovitz is the best sketch com uh, comedian in town. And I went. He said that because I'm thinking of like Phil Hartman has been there for years and Tim Stack. They're like the king of the groundlings. I was sure. just new, like me. So then, but anyway, I met Fred and he liked me. And then he set up a meeting and I went. Uh, Al Franken and Tom Davis, who passed away, God rest his soul, they were producing the show that year. So I met with them at NBC. So I'm talking to them, and I go, well, I was in the Groundlings, and they're just staring at me. And I went, well, you know, I'll do some of my characters. So I started doing them, and they were laughing. And then the next one was we had an industry night at the, uh, at the Groundlings. So I, Al came, and I was doing Master Thespian sketch. Right. And nobody was laughing except for Al. Like, nobody. <laughs> but I can hear he had a very distinctive laugh, and he was really laughing. And I told, he'd always laugh at this. I, I said, I remember you coming and no one's laughing but you. And I thought, thank <laughs> God that guy from Saturday Night Live is laughing. On and stage, then the next step was I got this movie in Catalina. In the meantime, Lauren Michaels and Charles Grodin recommended me. And then, so I left Catalina Island on a Friday to meet with Lauren at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And, and I remember thinking, this is that world I heard about. Like we drove up, my agent drove me to the hotel. And all of a sudden, Michael Caine walks across, and I go, oh, this is that world where they all live. Because <laughs> that's why in. I said, are you crazy? Because Saturday Night Live, it was just another world, like where those of people course. exist. Well, and then, too, there was, this was one of, what, three entertainment outlets at the time? I mean, there were much yeah. fewer choices for, well, there was for entertainment. four channels. Here. No, yeah. <coughs> no, three channels. Right at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah networks, the ABC, CBS, and NBC. That was it. it. So I met Lauren, and after about 45 minutes, he goes, well, how old are you? And I said, 28. And he goes, or 27, he goes, hmm, Billy Murray is 27. So I thought, do I have it? It was a weird thing to say. And I went, well, maybe I <laughs> Or I just turned 28. It was, I was 28. I just turned 28. So, and then I go back to Catalina, and I finish the movie, like, on a Tuesday, and I, I land 
back in Wednesday and off the off the the boat in San Pedro, and she goes, they're flying to New York. I go, what? He goes, you're in the final group. So I went, I flew to New York, and I sat next, I didn't know anybody. I sat next to Dennis Miller, and Damon Waynes was on the plane, and the other people from L.A., that's who they picked, and then the women were, so downtown Julie Brown, she sang the prom queen's got a gun. She had a big hit. And um, <laughs> Jennifer Tilly. And Pam Madison. Oh, wow. Who Thank God this plane away. made it. And Pam, yeah. Pam that would have been bad for American entertainment. Pam should have got it. I mean, she was great. Really? I don't know how she didn't get it, but she should have. But anyway, so we all go. And the funny thing is, I remember Dennis Miller had a hat. And, 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 and I thought he was bald. And I don't know. I go, this guy must be bald. And Damon <laughs> has all his hair. And it turns out Dennis had his hair and Damon was bald. That's, That's the stuff you remember. <laughs> and, then, and then Dennis goes, what do you do? I go, I do this liar character. And Dennis goes, Oh, he says, yeah, I thought, hey, okay, this guy doesn't have a chance in the hell. He said three crap. words you didn't understand and moved on. And then I, so then they flew us, and then there, and then you talk about a big room with everyone staring. So it's Minskoff, uh, a theater in New York, so it's called Minskoff Rehearsal. So it's this huge room. So, so they say to us, oh, you're going to audition, and don't, they probably won't laugh. And I said to Fred, I'd started trying to write some stand-up routine. I just Dr. at Fred. the Groundlings. You yeah. Know, Dr. Fred Weissman, the dentist. Should I do my stand-up? He goes, no, because you're competing against professional stand-ups. He's like, don't do it. <clears throat> okay. And he was for me. You know, he was trying to help me. Yeah. So, so they said they probably, probably won't laugh much. So, so we get to the audition, and there's like, instead of 10 guys, there's nine. Right. One guy didn't show up. He was too freaked out. So Damon goes, Wayne's is like, you know, if I get it, I get it. I don't, I don't. I don't care. It's not that big a deal. So he goes in the room. He comes out 15 minutes later. You know, he's at black. He comes out, he's white. <laughs> Pale, sweating. His not eyes as cool are, as he thought. His eyes are glazed over. Yeah. It's like he just went into the war and came out. And, and like, what happened? He was like shell-shocked. And I go, my God, what happened to you? What happened? He's just like, you know. So then... I went in, and then they're just talking, you know, and I'm standing there for like five minutes, and I'm like, so finally I clap my hands, I go, okay, hello, let's go. You ready? <laughs> I'm just standing there. Like, Perfect. So I did my characters, and they were laughing, and it was about four minutes. And then Lawrence says, well, do you have anything else? And I was like, oh, well. I go, okay, well, here's what I would do if, say, like between sketches, and so I figured I'd do my stand-up because he wanted more. So I started doing it, and like no one's laughing. Oh boy! And then I, then I and then in my head, no, one, I'm bombing, and, I, and in my head, for some reason, I'm like, keep going. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did the whole thing. No one laughed. I go, okay, thanks. So then I leave the room. Now I look like Damon. I'm sweating. My eyes are glazed now over. Understood. And I understood why. Yeah, because you felt like you go, I blew it. I just missed, blew the biggest right. opportunity in my career, and I was so desperate. So then later that day, Pam Madison says, John, I'm going to. St. Patrick's Cathedral to light a candle to pray I get the show. Do you want to come with me? I go, I'm Jewish. And I go, yes, I'll come with you. I'm like, yes, anything. I go, let's do it. So I light a candle. I'm like, Jesus, I know I'm Jewish, but if you get me this show, I'll convert. I'll believe in you. Just come on. Just, you're Jewish too. Like, come on, cut a brother a break. So, so anyway, so then, so then the next day, they, they go, we're putting you on tape. Oh, wow. So like you, I'm always late. 
<laughs> so this time I was early. Though. Perfect. <laughs> I was early. It was to be there at 4.30. I got there at 4.20. And then I'm waiting in this room, and I'm waiting, and I'm, and I'm nervous as hell. And it was like four hours before I got put on tape. Oh, so I was like wow. nervous and walking around. Then I started getting sleepy after about an hour, two hour and a half. And I'm like, and then I turned the TV on, and Humphrey Bogart's on, so I watched that, you know. <laughs> and then I went into the... Um, the uh, Oh, the studio where they're shooting it. And I saw Dennis Miller on camera, and he's goofing around. He's really loose. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So then, and then Randy Quaid was already cast. So anyway, I, and I'd met him once before, so I said, hey, I had this other thing I do. I did it for him. He goes, well, that's funny. So then finally it's my turn after four hours of waiting. So I go in the studio. It's about 8.30. So Lauren goes, you want to do your liar character? I go, well, I already did that yesterday. He goes, yeah, that's true. He goes, well, I'm not about, so I did some stuff. And, and he goes, let's see Randy next to you. <clears throat> so Randy stands next to me, and Randy goes, why don't you do that piece about your grandmother? Like, I'd done it for him in the hallway. Right. So it was, what it was was, uh, Randy's about 6'4", yeah. and, and he was on my left. So when I did the sketch in the Groundlings, I did it with Tim Stack, who's also 6'4", and he'd be on my left. And it was two soldiers. Tim had already done the piece, and I, I, we wrote a new, I got in the company, we were friends, so he goes, let's write you a monologue, and, and then you can be in the sketch with me. So I wrote this monologue where we wrote it together. Sure. So it was about how we got to the front lines. And it was a ridiculous story, you right. know. In the World War I, we're in the trenches. How'd you end up here, you know? So, so I started doing it. I go, well, uh, uh, how did I end up here? I go, uh, what the hell was it? I don't know. I go, I was a... I was a, a that's a lot Something of like, I, I forget, I go, how do I end up in the war? I go, well, a uniform came in the mail one day. <laughs> no, a box came in the mail one day. Wrapped inside was a uniform with my name on it. <laughs> Grandma got to it first. She didn't want to lose the only man who'd rub her feet. So she put it on, took my place. Nobody knew. <laughs> you see, Captain, that uniform fitted like a glove. Right after you added about 10 yards of spandex material. Grandma's what you call a hefty cow. Oh, she liked to eat. In fact, she was quite the chow hound. Oh, who am I kidding? She was a fat pig. Anyway, when her platoon boat hit the beach, the old beef cow rolled off the deck, got stuck under a barbed wire fence. And I lost my old grandmother. The army, they sent for me again, and now I'm here. Oh, my God. So that was, I did a quick version. But anyway, when I said when I said the thing, I, when I looked at him, I go, "You see, Captain," and I looked up at him, right. So when I did that in the audition, in my mind, I went, "Oh, he's like Tim, <coughs> like tall, like Tim." Right. So I did situation. a double take. So I went, "You see, Captain," and then I looked again. <laughs> I went, "Oh." I wasn't trying to be funny. Anyway, that move, Al Franken thought that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> so that helped sell it. That's got me the job, that move. <laughs> so that's what you do, kids. And then I got the show. And then Al said, I go, how did I get the show? He goes, well, you know, you were everything we weren't looking for in one person. I go, oh, thanks. <laughs> I go, well, how did I get you? Well, you were funny. I was everything they weren't. Now Lauren says he said that. I don't know who said it. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, who wants to take credit for the insult? <laughs> you're everything we weren't looking for in one person, but you are funny. That's perfect. So I said, Al, what do you mean? He goes, well, we wanted like a leading man, like a Tom Hanks type. I go, well. Oh, well. You know, he still laughs about that. I go, thank you, Al. It's been compliment. Absolutely. Do you still talk to Al? Yeah. 
And then, yeah, I ran into him before he had to resign. Do you think he was fairly treated? During no. I, I, don't, I don't either. He didn't do anything. I, I've known, listen, I've known him forever. I'm telling you, he didn't do anything. And Al Franken, all he cares about is his family and his work. Right. So at Saturday Night Live, it was like his family and, and the show. Right. And that's it. So when he was a senator, it's like all he cared about is his family and being a great senator. That's all he cared about. And all he wanted to do is help people. And they, yeah, they railroaded him out of there because they were going to, you know, the Republicans wanted that other guy right. <coughs> more. So the Democrats were like, okay, if we get rid of Al, then if this other guy gets in, we say, well, we got rid of Al, so you got to get rid of this guy. And, of course, the Republicans would have said, no, we don't. <laughs> Idiots. I mean, they're just stupid, these people. They're morons. It's a weird machine I mean, I to be a part Al, of. Al says he didn't do it, he didn't do it. So he took a picture. I have pictures of me like that. Everyone does. You know, you're goofing around, you're, some girls are afraid, you're like, ooh, you know, it's sure. just stupid. He wasn't touching her, he didn't do anything. And three years later, they, they meet again, the girl, and she loves him and hugs him and this, you know. She's on stage grabbing some guy's butt. I mean, you know, she, yeah, she was offended. It, it seemed odd to me. I get it why it people was, would... It was a bunch of crap. He did, no, but the thing, was, the good part about that, if there is a good part about this... You might run again, that's what I That's I'm what I was going to say. There is a bit of a, a wash clean cycle now because things are so cyclical. Well, the people in Minnesota were not happy that, right. he, that he was kicked out. They liked him. Were you surprised that he... He achieved what he did. I mean, that's yes. a big deal to go from <laughs> hey you're SNL and then you're Senator Al Franken. Yeah. yeah, like me being a senator. You're like, huh? <laughs> John Lovitz is a senator. It's crazy. Has the industry changed? I mean, but he's super that, smart. He went to has the industry as far as like you know, as far as the content, as far as being able the things that even SNL did in the early days, even in the early part of the '90s, as far as being able to put together that same type of content now, has the industry had to adjust because of sensibilities over time? Is that the natural evolution of the business? But it feels like things that were suitable and funny then now would probably not get much play and probably get boycotted now. No, oh, yeah, because everyone's like, doesn't want to hurt everybody's feelings, and which is good, but they, I do a bit of my act. They change words, but they don't, they have substitute words, but they don't change the meaning of the word. So it, it doesn't work, you know? Mm, right. Or another example, like plus, you know, you go, oh, you're not fat, you're plus size. <laughs> Okay, that's better. I said, yeah, go to your wife. She goes, does this dress make me look fat? No, makes you look plus size. <laughs> Why? What do you mean? Means you're fat. You know, I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> And why do you want to compliment a woman and say, no, you're perfectly healthy, you're just plus size. You're 100 pounds overweight, you're beautiful, you'll die at 40 from a heart attack, but in the meantime, enjoy your life. You know, what do you, you're telling people to stay unhealthy, it's not a good thing. This is a very upsetting time. Travis has been calling me plus size for like two years now. Well, so this I mean, is, yeah. you're, uh, my dad's a doctor, I have to lose weight. He tell you, you, you can say man. that size, but sure. you're, you're going to have a heart attack and it's, die. It's out. Yes. Later. You won't <laughs> live it'll long. Be, I mean, it's yeah. just a fact. Yeah, it certainly That's is. not being mean. It's not trying to make all. you live, like not die. <laughs> You're a fat ass. John likes me. Well, you I don't want to insult someone to by, by telling him. Well, what would you say? You know, you've got a giant, you know, tumor the size of a basketball on your neck. <laughs> My God, that mole is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Think I should get taken out? No. <laughs> 
Makes nice your head accent. tilt in the most attractive way. It's <laughs> the perfect uh, accent to your cheekbone, Just a certainly. Tumor. So, Leave it. So we won't keep you too much longer. I don't I'm mean sure you, you have a busy day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on. Raise your hand if you're having the women a good time. Women here are thin. Like, yeah, yeah, most of yeah, them are having a good time. That's a good thing. <laughs> no, you don't make fun of somebody no. for being overweight, but you don't tell them it's perfectly healthy. <laughs> right. It's, it's more on. of a math problem than an well, editorial thing. pounds overweight. I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> there are consequences. How are to your that. knees? Nah, arthritis. That's terrific. <laughs> Thirty-three years old. How are your feet? Swollen. They hurt all the day. Well, why lose weight? <laughs> We're no point in that. No. How are your bones? Crumbling. <laughs> How's your hip? I'm gonna have to get it replaced. <laughs> Well, big deal. In the meantime, you're gorgeous. Uh, before we get you out of here, uh, got to remind everybody, comedy at Lou Fest this year, over 60,000 people over two days. Last laugh, it's the first ever comedy stage and tent at Lou Fest. We're bringing it to you. Our friends at By Jack are bringing it to you. Taylor Tomlinson, Mia Jackson, Matt Reif, all headlining 10 local comics. Very excited that September 8th and 9th uh, in Forest Park. Yeah, so make great. Sure you check what does that it have out. to do with me? Oh, yeah, well, that's a good point. And John is going to be at Helium all weekend long. You can go see him. Uh, we're going to make it out uh, to the early show Friday and then Saturday, a couple shows. Uh, oh, you're going to judge me. <laughs> I'm going to hold your dog in the second row and just stare, glare at you the entire time. Does the dog help uh, on the road? Does he have any uh, any duties or uh, what's... Uh, I, I think it's cool. He keeps me you company. It's of great. Of course. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, you said a sketch we couldn't do anymore. Okay. We did... The, Al Franken came with this sketch. It was really funny. And I, I guarantee you couldn't do it today. So it was... Um, <laughs> Anyway, so Steve Gutenberg was the host. Now you're talking. So I'm you got so my attention. doing this sketch. Boy, I got my attention. I'm in his apartment, and um, I'm blind. <laughs> so he's doing this really high voice, and he's pretending to be a woman. So he goes, oh, oh, you're really... I go, well, let's get in the bed. Okay, but I'm blind, right? So we get in the bed, and the lights go out, and then you hear me go... Oh, oh, man, oh, God, Jesus, what the hell? So the lights come back, he goes, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. I go, what's wrong with you? I go, well, I, I really like you. I go, you're pretending to be a woman? What's wrong with you? I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. Well, let's just go back to bed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we get back into bed. He goes, I'll, I'll just sleep over here. I go, okay, fine. I'll leave you alone. Okay, all right, good night. So we, the lights go out, and you hear me go, oh, God, what? He goes, I'm sorry. I go, what's wrong? Stop it. Doing it again. So it, it happened like three times. So then at the end of the sketch, he goes, I'm Steve Gutenberg, and I'm John Lovitz. And the point of that sketch was, well, you just, you know, you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> you shouldn't pretend to be a, blind, a woman and the guy's blind. It's just the wrong thing to do. Please don't do that. I think that still works. I thought it was a fun. <laughs> you couldn't do that. I like now. that you're still. Too okay. many people would be offended, but it's hilarious. But you're still okay. With, I, I think the best part about that you're still like, well, we can just go to sleep, even though you're not anyone. Yeah. like you said, you were. Well, my shows, you know, I say everything. I'm not politically correct, and you know, I don't get a show. I go, well, it's irony. I'm. I can't change my sense of humor. Right. And I'm not even edgy, but but. Because they keep saying, you can't say this, you can't say this. See, the problem with the comedian, like me anyway, if you go, uh -huh. you can't say that, I'm like, well, now I have to. <laughs> like times 10. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fed into the machine and it's coming back out. Well. 
I mean, is know, it, is it's it, the antithesis of comedy. Go, you have to watch what you say. Right. People are great. Like, that, that just kills comedy. It's like, it's a club. It's like, you can say whatever you want. People, I don't like what you said. You go, well, then you get up on stage and you do your act. You can say whatever you want. Right. You know? That's a good way to put it. <coughs> well, it's true. So they make comedians apologize for jokes. I think that's the worst. It's strange, too, whenever that uh, vertical gets, I guess, encroached by folks that are trying to apply the same standards as they would if you were in a business meeting to a comedy show. Well, it's like saying, um, well, maybe this is a bad analogy, but like, you know, you're let's, in the Olympics and you're a swimmer, right? So you're in your Speedo, and then, and then um, you know, someone Steve goes, Gutenberg you shouldn't wear in. a Speedo, or a, so you need to be in a suit. You go, well, I'm at a swimming event, you idiot. <laughs> I'm That's not a in great a meeting. Point. Well, it's like that. Yeah. You go like a comedy club. You shouldn't talk like that. You should speak like we do. You know, outside of a club, when you meet a stranger and you don't know who they are, you you. It's freedom of speech, and also. You know, not everything's funny to everybody, so you can't change your act to like. So you hopefully don't offend someone. And Jimmy Breslin was a great New York columnist, and he'd hosted the show. And about a year later, I, I ran into him. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, this is like 30 years ago. And he goes, are you doing stand-up? I go, well, I don't know. I'm afraid. I get nervous. He goes, oh, bullshit. And he goes, come on. Why aren't you doing it? I go, well, what if I say something and then there's two old women in the audience, like my age of my grandmother, and they get offended, you know, and I offend these two old ladies. And he said, look, if I'm coming to see your show, I want to hear what you have to say. I don't want you to change your act because of who's in the audience. Right. And I never forgot that. And so that's what I do, you know. And most com most comics though do that; they're not going to change it. I agree. And you can't because anything you say, someone might get offended. And what are you going to do? Then you'd have to you you don't know who's coming to the show. Right. And right. one comic, it's on YouTube. He's great. He goes, "Oh, you're offended." He goes, "So what?" <laughs> that's the way to handle it. Well, you're offended. Okay, now yeah. what? Well, I think if you I make don't like your... what you said. Well, all right, <laughs> move along. <laughs> I think if you make what your way you, from your house to the comedy club to see John Lovitz, you kind of know the score. Well, anyway, I, I, right? I was in college and, and I lived in the fine arts dorm and everybody was an artist. So, right. and everybody had a different background. Like I was Jewish and Richard and Buck were black and Leonard was from Mexico and Peter's Asian. And, and we'd all have, we're all friends. We'd all have dinner together. Right. We're like 18 and we would just rip each other and say all the stuff you're not supposed to say. <laughs> right. But we're friends. So we're right. like crying laughing sure. because we, it's ridiculous. You know, we, none of us believed in it. Right. You know, it's just people are people. And we go, yeah, you're an actor. I'm an, ar an artist. You're this. And we're starting our lives. Who cares? And that, so that's kind of how I am on stage. It's like I tease everybody, you know, like that. And, and then, you know, people laugh. And then you get to their group, and they're, like, real quiet. And I'm like, oh, but you laughed at the Jew jokes, you know. <laughs> and then they can't say anything. Like, oh, yeah, well, we did. I go, oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, I think people are going to really enjoy it. We'll get you out of here again. There's some to Nazi jokes in Oregon. They didn't laugh. Why? <laughs> that's, I don't know, but that was scary. So I said, oh, sorry. They, they, they felt a little close to it. offend you. And then I was going, like, hi, good to see you. Hi. You all right? You know? We need to have a talk with that Oregon club. Yeah. What's happening over there? Well, I think people will enjoy that tonight. What else, uh, Anything you want to promote while you're here? Uh, obviously, the Helium shows. Any projects coming up that we need to keep an eye out for? I know you're super busy. There's a so. movie, independent movie coming out in October called Chasing the Blues, which is, I have a small part. looks like I'm the lead, but I'm not. <laughs> but that's how they promote it. You won't turn that down, though, right? Well, I don't, because... The, 
I'm better known than the other people in it. So they like, oh, oh so he's the guy. And I, like mm -hmm. three scenes. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't. None like, of you heard I don't that. like when <laughs> they do that. You know. But it's a, but it's a fun movie. It's about and it seems real. But it's about the, um, these two guys that collect records and they hear about this really rare record that's supposed to be a myth. And they and this some woman has this big record collection and they go and they find this record. So they're each trying to get it. And uh, it, it anyway, it's the whole drama about it. And the record, the the story is this, this guy guy murdered his girlfriend, and three weeks later he recorded this song. And when they played it back, the guy could hear the girl screaming oh. in his mind. And the other people couldn't, but he could. And he ended up, like, killing himself. And, and they go, the myth is if you're a bad person and you listen to this record, you'll hear the screams, and it was a myth. But then they go, here it is, you know. Anyway, it sounds real, like a myth, but urban yeah, myth. But it, it's, it's not. But it, it's a, it's a fun movie. It's good. Anybody story. else we would know in it? Not they're not cover worthy. <laughs> if if we do know them, Steve Gutenberg's in it. Good, <laughs> I'm in it. Grant Rosen, Rosenmeyer. We'll he's one of the kids, and he's he's been acting since he's a kid. He's they're all really good actors. Really good. That's exciting. We'll I play a southern out. lawyer and real scumbag, and <laughs> and then I'm doing a. A game show, funny you should ask, which is like Hollywood Squares, and but I do it all. The, it's six comics, and you know they ask us questions, awesome. true or false, and then we. It's really a setup for a joke, right? And we just tell jokes and go true, you know. <laughs> like they had it when they go, well, that was the, they go, uh, uh, John, true or John Kelly's the host. He's a great guy. He goes, John, true or false? A, a, a school of a pod of female whales are referred to as cows. I'm like, they prefer the term plus-sized. You know, and it's just dumb jokes like that. <laughs> you just basically get to and cut it up. And it turns out they them. don't prefer the term plus-sized because they know it means fat. <laughs> John Lovitz, go see him at Helium Comedy Club all weekend long. John, seriously, so, thank you so much. Thank it was a real so pleasure much, to chat thank with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Round of applause. Yeah, real quick. For yourselves, hear. look at this. Thank you for applying. Thank you. That's so right. It just go sounds see. like silence. <laughs> go see John at Helium. Thank you to everybody. Uh, comedy for us tonight as well. Southtown Pub tomorrow. What do we have? Anything else coming up we need to let people know about? Not as of yet. Just Not make sure as you of yet. Fest. That's right. Lou Fest, all that good stuff. Thanks to everybody for coming out. St. Louis Counseling Services here. Give them some love as well. Thank you, John. Thanks, really everybody. Appreciate it.